section seven of the white wolf and other fireside tales this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kate Fallis. The White Wolf and Other Fireside Tales by Sir Arthur Thomas Quiller Couch. Section 7 The Capture of the Burgomeister van der Werf. A reported tale of a Dutchman and a privateer yes a heap of folks have admired that teapot hundreds of pounds we must have been offered for it first and last since the night my wife's grandfather captain john tackabird or captain jacka as he was always called brought it into the family over the back garden wall and his funny little wife went for him with the broom handle poor souls they were always a most affectionate couple and religious too but not much to look at and when he took and died of a seizure in the waterloo year she wasn't long in following ay ay very pleasant in their lives though not what you would call lovely i've heard that through being allowed by his mother to run too soon tackabird's legs grew up so bandy the other children used to drive their hoops between them and next at fifteen what must he do but upset a bee-skip a bee stung him and all his hair came off and for three parts of his natural life he went about as bold as an egg to cap everything he'd scarcely began courting when he lost his left eye in a little job with the preventive men but none of this seemed to make any difference to the woman peters her maiden name was mary polly peters a little figure with beady black eyes she believed that all captain jacka's defects would be set right in another world though not to hinder her recognizing him and meantime the more he got chipped about the more she doted on what was left of the man every one in polperro respected the couple for mary polly kept herself to herself and captain jacka was known for the handiest man in the haven to run a guernsey cargo or handle a privateer and this though he took to privateering late in life in the service of the hand and glove company of adventurers by and by mr zephaniah job who looked after these affairs in polpero free trade and privateering both started a second company called the pride of the west and put captain jacka to command their first ship the old pride lugger a very good choice seeing that for three years together he cleared over forty per cent on the adventurer's capital the more was his disappointment when they built a new lugger the unity one hundred and sixty tons and job gave the command 
to a smart young fellow called dick hewitt whose father held shares in the concern and money to buy votes beside i've told you how jacka swallowed his pride and sailed as mate under this hewitt and how he managed to heap coals of fire on the company's head well that's one story and this is another i'm telling now of the second boat when captain jacka or as you might say providence for what happened was none of his seeking and the old boy acted throughout as innocent as a sucking child left off shaming the company as honest men and hit them slap in their pockets where they could feel the bottom of the quarrel was that mr job the agent took a dislike to jacka he was one of your sour long-jawed sort a bit of a lawyer with a temper like old nick and just the amount of decent feeling that makes a man the angrier for knowing he's unjust especially when the fellow that's hit takes it smiling instead of cursing and more especially still when he carries but one eye in his head and be dashed if you can tell whether it's twinkling back at you out of pure sweetness of nature or because it sees a joke of its own i believe captain jacka twinkled back on mr job as he twinkled on the rest of the world willing to be friends and search for the best side of every one if he might be allowed but mr job couldn't be sure of this and i'm fain to admit the old boy was a trial to him with his easy-going ways job you see was a stickler for order kept his accounts like the bank of england all in the best penmanship with black and red ink and signed his name at the end with a beautiful flourish in the shape of a swan all done with one stroke he having been a schoolmaster in his youth and highly respected at it until his unfortunate temper made him shy a child out of window which drove him out of the business as such things will in young dick hewitt he had a captain to his mind soap and tidiness and punctuality and oil and rotten stone for the very gun swivels all the crew touching caps and nerve and seamanship on top of all jacka admired the young spark for all his boastfulness for his own part he could do anything with a ship but keep her tidy what's the use of giving yourself unnecessary work he'd say in his mild manner if he saw one of his hands coiling a rope or housing a sail neatly we may be wantin it any minute and then you'll be sorry for labour thrown away the dirtiness of his decks was a caution and this was the queerer because in his own parlour you might have eaten your dinner off the floor i reckon he'd explain when the lord made sea and land he meant there should be a difference and likewise when he made man and woman and stuck to his untidiness afloat because it made him the gladder to be at home again mary polly though she lived within forty yards of the sea and was proud of her husband as any mortal woman would never step on board a boat 
the sight of one she declared turned her stomach and she married their only child to a house decorator all this untidiness was poison to mr job and it worked inside the man until he was just one simmering pot of wrath and liable to boil over at the leastest little extra provocation one day it was the tenth of july in the year nine peter's tide and the upper town crowded with peep shows and ranter go rounds and folks keeping the feast mr job takes a stroll down the quay past the sweet standings and cocks his eye over the edge down upon the deck of the old pride that was moored alongside and fitting out for a fresh cruise and there in the shade of the quay wall sat old captain jacka with a hammer tap-tapping at a square of tin-plate hello mr job hailed where's the crew up riding the hobby horses i believe answered jacka as friendly as you please and in thirty-six hours you've engaged to have the pride ready for sea she's about ready now said jacka stopping to put a peppermint in his mouth he had bought a packet off one of the sweet standings and spread it on the deck beside him face day doesn't come round more than once a year and i haven't the heart to deny them with the work so well forward too the old fellow fairly beamed across his deck the raffle of which was something cruel there's a fat woman up there too i'm told she's well worth seeing you call that dirty mouse being fit for sea asked mr job nodding down but bottling up his anger after a fashion look here captain tackerbird you're a servant of the company and i'll trouble you to stand up and behave respectful when the company's agent pays you a visit of inspection certainly mr job jacka scrambled up to his feet as mild as milk beg your pardon sir i thought you'd just strolled down to pass the time of day and don't flash that plaguey thing in my eyes as you're doing for jacka was standing in the sunshine now with the tin plate in his hands blazing away like a looking-glass very well sir perhaps you'll allow me to fetch a hat out of the cabin for my head feels the heat powerful being so bald they do say it twinkles a bit too when the sun catches it in the right way so down he went to the cabin and up he came again to find mr job with his best coat-tails spread seated on the carriage of the pride's stern chaser oh lord he couldn't help groaning what's the matter nothing mr job nothing the fact was jacka had smeared a dollop of honey on that very gun carriage to keep the wasps off him while he worked the sweet standings you see always drew a swarm of wasps on feast days and the old man never could abide them since his accident with the bee skip mr job sat there with his mouth screwed up eyeing the whole length of the lugger i'd like to know why you were hammering out that tin plate said he i can see with my own eyes you've been knocking dents in the deck but i suppose that wasn't your only object 
i reckoned to tack it over this here hole in the bulwarks where the tide swung her up against the key end captain jacka showed him the place i'd have let you have a fresh plank if you'd only reported the damage in time oh said jacka a scrap of tin will answer just as well every bit i can't think captain tackerbird how it comes that you've no more regard for appearances just look at the unity for instance and how young hewitt keeps her born different i suppose ay and if you don't look out you'll end different patching a boat with tin mr job let out a rasping kind of laugh but that's polperro all over do you know what they tell about you down to st anne's mr job came from st anne's they say down there that every man-child in polperro is born with a patch in the seat of his mr job stood up and cast a hand behind him to explain i put it there to keep off the wapses said captain jacka but what did he say asked mary polly when her husband brought home the tale first he said i'll make you pay for this well that was fair enough for i ought to have warned him but when i asked the price and where the stuff could be matched for twas his best suit you understand all of a sudden he stamps his foot and lets fly with the most horrible oaths it fairly creamed to my flesh to hear him he's a man of wrath my love and the end of him will be worse than the beginning i dare say but he'll give you the sack before that happens the two poor old souls looked at one another for job had control of all the privateering companies in polperro and influence enough to starve a man out of the place let us take counsel of the lord said the old boy as she knew he would so down on their knees they went and prayed together jacka even put up a petition for mr job but mary polly couldn't say amen to that the next morning captain jacka went down to the pride at the usual hour but only to find his crew scrubbing decks and mr job ready for him there's your marching orders says the enemy handing him a paper and if you want a character at any time just come to me and i'll give you a daisy well the old chap said no word but turned about then and there and back along the quay like a man in a dream all the way he kept fumbling the document without daring to open it and when he reached his own door he just sat down on the little low wall outside laid the cursed thing on his knee pulled a bandana out of his breeches pocket and polished the top of his poor head till it fairly blazed in the eye of the sun he was sitting there dazed and quiet when the door opened and out came mary polly with a rag mat in her hand meaning to bang it against the wall as her custom was hello says she stopping short on the threshold back again like a bad penny bad enough this time says her husband without turning round and drops his head with a groan i must say the woman's behaviour was peculiar for first of all she stepped forward and gave his head a stroking 
just as you might a child's and then she looks up and down the street and says i'm ashamed of ee carrying on like this for all the public to see stick your hands in your pockets says she what's the use of that but he did it now whistle eh whistle a tune but i can't you can if you try i've heard you whistling rule britannia scores of times or bits of it now i'm going to beat this mat and make believe to be talking to e at the very first sound old mrs scantlebury'll poke her head out she always does so you go on whistling and don't mind anything i say there'll be no peace in life for us after she gets wind you've been sacked and just now i want a little time to myself to relieve my feelings so jacka started to whistle feeling mighty shy and mary polly picked up the mat i wish says she to the mat you was mr wang zephaniah wang job wang i do dearly wish for my life you was mr wang zephaniah wang job wang i'd take your ugly old head with its stivery grey whiskers and i'd bang wang i'd bang wang i'd treat you like this here mat and lay you down for folks to wipe their shoes upon mr wang zephaniah wang job wang when britain first at heaven's command whistled jacka and the widow scantlebury two doors up the street was properly taken in an hour later when the news of jacka's dismissal was all over the town she had to sit down and consider i seed him come up the street this was how she told the story being the sort of woman that never knows where the truth ends just as mary polly was shaking out her mat he came up like a whipped dog stuck his hands in his pockets and started to whistle for all the world like a whipped dog you understand any fool could see the man had something on his mind and wanted to break it gentle but not she went on banging the mat if you'll believe me till my flesh ached to see a woman so dull-minded of course it wasn't no business of mine though you would think after living with a man thirty years and so on and so on but when mary polly had relieved her feelings and the two old souls were in the kitchen with the door shut behind them they came very near to breaking down you see captain jacka had followed the trade in pulpero all his days and his heart was in it till mr job pulled him up by the roots he and mary polly had saved a little and looked forward to leaving it to their only child my wife's mother that was and anyway it wasn't enough to maintain them let be that to touch a penny of it would have burnt their fingers no captain jacka must find a new billet but in a month or so when folks had given up sympathizing for mary polly hated to be pitied and gave them no encouragement he saw plain enough that there was no billet for him in a small place like pulpero where mr job ruled the roost 
before christmas his mind was made up and early in christmas week he said good-bye to his wife marched up to four turnings with his kit on his back and shipped on board botigo's two-horse conveyance for falmouth there was a mr rogers living at falmouth who had been a shareholder in the old hand-and-glove company but had sold out over some quarrel with mr job and to him jacka applied i'm told that seamen are scarce sir says he i was wondering if you could find me a berth anywhere for i've earned forty per cent for my employers before now and could do it again but for a man of my unfortunate looks tis hard to get a start mr rogers tapped the desk with his ruler like one considering why have they turned you out he asked anything professional how could i help mr job sitting down on a lump of honey i put it to you sir as a business man i'm sure i don't know said mr rogers let's have the story so out it all came he's a man of wrath said captain jacka and he'll be sorry for it when he comes to die there's one or two said mr rogers would like to hurry that reckoning a bit well well i can make shift to fit you up with something for a week or two and maybe by that time there'll be an opening aboard one of the packets just now in christmas week business is slack enough but what do you say to going mate on a vessel as far as the downs nothing i should like better says jacka you'd better have a look at her first says mr rogers so he takes jacka off to the market strand calls for a waterman's wherry and inside of ten minutes they were being pulled out to the roads there's your ship says mr rogers as they pushed out beyond the old dock into carrick roads jacka opened first his eyes and then his mouth the vessel was a kind of topsail schooner but with a hull there was no mistaking the more by token that the tide was swinging her stern on and showing him a pair of windows picked out in red paint with shutter boards and brass hinges shining mr rogers he said i hain't read the sherborne mercury lately but is is the war over no nor likely to be but mr rogers sir either that there ship is a dutchman or else i be look at her flag you old fool never seed the like of it that's the flag of the principality of nibby ever heard of it can't say i have no more did i till the day before yesterday and i won't swear i've got it right yet but tis somewhere up the baltic i understand that there ship her name by the way is the burgomeister van der Werf is bound up channel with sugar from jamaica with a license maybe you folks up to polperro don't know what that means i only know that if i'd ran across her in the old pride i'd have clapped a crew on board and run her into a british port no questions asked says mr rogers if that's the way you polperro men keep abreast of board of trade regulations it strikes me you might have done worse than lose your billet with the pride of the west in the time left before the waterman brought them alongside mr rogers explained as well as he could 
the new system as it was then of licenses by which the government winked at neutral vessels carrying goods into the enemy's ports in spite of the blockade and bringing us back baltic timber for shipbuilding but a dutchman isn't no neutral captain jacka objected i did hear said mr rogers stroking his chin and looking sideways that these licenses have their market price and that in amsterdam just now it's seven hundred rix dollars well well if the board of trade's satisfied says jacka it's not for the likes of me to object but if i was a christian ruler i should think twice afore invitin such a deal of hard swearin you'll find captain cornelis a lutheran mr rogers assured him and a very sociable fellow with the little english he can muster well to make my story short jacka stepped on board and found the dutch skipper monstrous polite and accommodating though terrible sleepy the reason being that his mate falling sick at kingston of the yellow fever he had been forced to navigate his vessel home single-handed he owned up too that he had a poor head for ciphering so that twas more by luck than good management he'd hit off the channel at all at any rate he was glad enough of a chance to shift off responsibility and take a sound nap and inside of half an hour the bargain was struck over a glass of hot schnapps mr rogers shook hands and put off for shore again and a boat went with him to fetch jacka's kit which he'd left in the office at six o'clock the vanderwerf weighed anchor and headed out under easy canvas the wind outside was almost dead contrary east by north and half east and blowing a little under half a gale but the skipper seemed in a hurry and jacka didn't mind she's a good boat by all seeming said he as they cleared st anthony's light but she wants a seaway i reckon sir you'd better stay on deck for a tack or two till i find how she comes about i'm accustomed you see to something a bit sharper in the bows and just at first that may tempt me to run it too fine who wants you to run it fine at all asked captain cornelis well naturally you'll work it in short tacks and hug the english side pretty close short tacks not a bit of it tide'll be running up strong by time we're out in deep water put her right across for france keep her pretty full she won't bear pinching and let her rip risque how's that shaw's marie's a pretty thick i'm told once you get to other side specially between morley and guernsey let alone a chance of dropping across a french cruiser my good man i've been stopped twice on this voyage already by french cruisers once off brest and the second time about fifty miles this side of ushant you don't tell me says jacka how the dickens did they let you go well answers the dutchman i took the precaution of fitting myself with two sets of papers oh says he as jacka lets out a low whistle it's the ordinary thing in our line of business so you just do as i tell you and make the boards as long as you please for i'm dropping with sleep in my boots keep the ship going and if you sight any one that looks like trouble just give me a hail down the companion for i can talk to any frigate 
British or French. With that he bundled away below, and Jacka, after a word or two with the man at the helm, to make sure they understood enough of each other's lingo, settled down with his pipe for the night's work. The wind held pretty steady, and the Vanderwerf made nothing of the cross seas, being a beamy craft and fit for any weather in a seaway. Jacka conned her very carefully and decided there was no use in driving her extra sail would only fling up more water without improving her speed so he jogged along steady keeping her full and by and letting her take the seas the best way she liked them towards morning he even began to doze a bit till warned by a new motion of the ship that she wasn't doing her best he opened his eyes and shouted up with your helm ye lubber hard up i tell you and keep her full a pretty heavy spray at that moment came over the bow and took him fair in the face and he stumbled aft in none too sweet a temper then he saw what had happened the fresh hand at the wheel had dozed off where he stood and let the vanderwerf run up in the wind the fellow was little more than a boy and a white in the face with want of sleep captain jacka was always a kind-hearted man said he as he flung the spokes round and the vanderwerf began to pay off look here my lad if you can't keep a better eye open i'll take a trick myself so go you forward and stow yourself somewheres within call with that he took the helm and glad of it to keep himself awake and so held her going till daybreak by eight in the morning just as the light began creeping and jacko was calculating his whereabouts he lifted his eye over the weather bow and hello he sings out what's yonder to windward the lad he'd relieved jumps up from where he'd been napping beside the bits and runs forward but whatever he sang out jacka paid no attention for by this time his own one eye had told him all he wanted to know and a trifle more and he clutched at the wheel for a moment like a man dazed then i believe a sort of heavenly joy crept over his face mixed with a sort of heavenly cunning call up the crew he ordered i'm going to put her about the whole crew every man jack of them by the time the men tumbled up, Jacka had his helm up, and the Vanderwerf, with sheets pinned, was leaning to it and knocking up the unholiest sputter. All right, my lads, don't stand glazing at me like stock pigs. Stand by to slacken sheets. I'm going to jibe her. Well, they obeyed, though not a man of them could guess what he was after over went the big mainsail with a jerk that must have pitched captain cornelis clean out of his bunk below for half a minute later he comes puffing and growling up the companion and wanting to know in his best dutch if this was the end of the world and if not what was it that's capital said jacka for i was just about stepping down to call you see that lugger yonder he jerked his thumb over his shoulder at a speck in the grey from which the Vanderwerf was now running at something like nine knots an hour. Well? I know that lugger, and we're running away from her. Pack of stuff, said Captain Cornelis, or Dutch to that effect. Do you want to be told a dozen times that this is a licensed ship? 
and he called for his flag to hoist it oh drop your fancy pocket-handkerchiefs and listen to reason that's a dear man of course i know you carry a license but the point is the like i don't know of course i'm running away from her by your leave but the point is she can run and reach three miles to our two and lastly of course you're master here and can do what you please but if you're not pressed for time there's money in it and you shan't say i didn't give you the chance captain cornelis eyed jacka for a full minute and then a dinky little smile started in one eye and spread till it covered the whole of his wide face you're a knowing one said he was never considered so answered jacka very modest she's put about in after us said the skipper after a long stare over his right shoulder she'll have us in less than three hours there's one thing to be done and that's to stow me somewheres out of the way for if any one on board of her catches sight of me the game's up suppose we try the lazarette if you have such a place i like fresh air as a rule but for once in a while i don't mind being squoze and as lazarettes go yours ought to be nice and roomy you shall have a bottle of hollands for company promised captain cornelis so the hatch was pulled up and down jacka crept and curled himself up in the darkness the dutchman provisioned him there with a bottle of strong waters and a bag of biscuits and what's more called down to him so long as was prudent and kept him informed how the chase was going by this time the lugger which i needn't tell you was mr zephaniah job's pet unity with captain dick hewitt commanding was closing down on the vanderwerp overhauling her hand over fist down in the lazarette jacka had scarcely finished prizing the cork out of his bottle of hollands when he heard the bang of a gun this was the lugger's command to round to and surrender and the old boy who had been vexing himself with fear that some cruiser might drop in and spoil sport put the bottle to his mouth and drank mr job's very good health for i think says he to himself with a chuckle i can trust captain dick hewitt to put his foot into this little mess just as deep as it will go with that being heavy after his night's watch he tied up his chin in his bandana handkerchief to keep him from snoring curled round and dropped off to sleep like a babe well sir captain de hewitt brought to his prize as he reckoned her and when he came aboard and sized up the cargo and the unity's luck as he reckoned it his boastfulness was neither to hold nor to bind no such windfall had been picked up for the pride of the west during the four years he'd been in the company's service he scarce stayed to give a glance at the vanderwerf's papers though captain cornelis was ready for him with the wrong set i guess says he you'll spare yourself the trouble to pretend you ain't a dutchman and when the skipper flung his arms about and began to jabber like a play-actor twas all right mine here we'll talk about that at Falmouth. look here boys 
he sings out to his boarding party we've something here too good to be let out of sight my idea is to reach back for polperro and company and let mr job and the shareholders have a view of her before taking her round to falmouth it won't cost us three hours extra says he and a little bit of flourish is excusable under the circumstances so up for polperro they bore half a dozen men from the lugger working the vanderwerf and old captain jacka asleep in her lazarette till roused out of his dreams by the rattle as they cast anchor half a cable's length outside the haven the tide was drawing to flood and the evening dusking down and in sails captain dick in the unity as big as bull's beef and shouts his news to all the loafers on the quay but come and take a look at her for yourself says he to mr job who had stepped down with his best telescope job put off that evening in something like a flutter of spirits for to tell the truth half a dozen of the shareholders had been cutting up rough over his treatment of jacka and here was an answer for them and proof that he'd been right in preaching up de Cuit to be worth ten of the old man alongside he comes in the unity's boat steps aboard and makes a polite leg to captain cornelis with any amount of sham sympathy in his eyes dear dear says he this is a very unfortunate business for you captain what's your name in time of war i suppose such things must happen but i can't help feeling sorry for you says he i was thinking to reckon the damage at six hundred pounds says the dutch skipper meek as you please hey says mr job well sir i likes to be reasonable but it's a question of missing the convoy and under the circumstances case of illegal detention at the best you won't consider six hundred pounds out of the way of course says he i haven't been allowed to study your lugger's papers so it may be flat piracy but if your skipper had taken the trouble to study mine what in thunder is he telling about demanded mr job only this sir answered captain cornelis smiling very sweet and pulling out his license from his side pocket he read and the said vessel has our protection while bearing any flag except the french and notwithstanding the documents accompanying the said vessel and cargo may represent the same to be destined to any neutral or hostile port or to whomsoever such property may appear to belong the wording you see sir is very particular and under the circumstances i can't say less than six hundred pounds but of course if you oblige me to take it to the courts there's your papers to be considered which may raise the question of piracy just an hour later when mr job had returned to shore in the devil's own temper to call a hasty meeting of his shareholders and captain hewitt along with him with his tail between his legs captain cornelis raised the trap of the lazarette i'm thinking a little fresh air's no more than you deserve said he but where are we in this world asked jacka so well as i can learn tis a place called pulpero jacka chuckled seen anything of a party called job he's to bring me six hundred pounds before morning answered the dutchman lighting his pipe and see here 
i'm a fair dealing man and i own i owe you a good twenty of it you shall have it when you leave the ship and i'll chance making it right with the owners very good for you to be sure allowed jacka but that isn't all i owe you something on my own account and if there's any small favour i can do you in reason well since you put it so friendly i'd like an hour or so ashore ashore what to-night it's my home you see jacka explained and my old woman lives there you don't say so well you shall be put ashore as soon as you please anything else i seed a very pretty teapot and sugar basin in your cabin yesterday i don't know if you set any particular store by them but if you don't my old woman's terrible fond of china and you can deduct it out of the twenty pounds if you like shouldn't think of it says captain cornelis their best nankin and they're yours anything else well if i might ask the loan of a pair of your breeches till to-morrow they seem to me a bit fuller in the seat than mine and let alone being handy to carry the china in there be a kind of disguise for to tell the truth i don't want to be seen in pulpero streets to be mixed up with this business and my legs be so bandy that in any ordinary small clothes there's no mistaking me even in the dark so the van der Werf's boat landed jacka that night in pitch darkness half a mile west of the haven where a ridge of rock gives shelter from the easterly swell and just half an hour later as mary polly turned in her sleep she heard a stone trickle down the cliff at the back of the cottage and drop thud into the yard under her window she sat bolt upright in bed there's some villain of a thief after my minorca's eggs said she another stone trickled and fell like the woman of spirit she was she jumped out of bed crept downstairs to the kitchen picked up the broom and listened with her hand on the latch of the back door she heard the scrape of a toe plate on the wall outside this was too much you mean sneakin snivelin pilferin egg stealin highwayman cries she and lets fly well sir the sugar basin was scat to atoms but the teapot as you see didn't suffer more than a chip the wonder was she stayed her hand at the second stroke old jacka being in no position to defend himself or explain in later days when she invited her friends to tea she used to put it down to instinct something warned me she'd say but that's how the teapot came into our family end of section seven